WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. And the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Yo, what's up, Colts Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Bring the Juice. Well, 2021, the season did not go the way that we hoped with the Colts. Sitting outside of the playoff picture, but there still were a lot of good moments. There were obviously some bad moments. And so what we wanted to do, guys, is we wanted to look at some surprises and also some disappointments. Like we did a video on this a couple weeks ago, but now that we have a clear picture through 17 games, we wanted to kind of talk about these things. So we have four different guys for both categories. We also have two honorable mentions. Derek and myself both have an honorable mention in both those categories. So I will let you, Derek, go first here. We will start with the positives. We'll start with uh, some of the surprises on the season. Who do you have for your honorable mention here? Um, I thought an honorable mention uh, would be Taylor Stallworth. You know, midway through the season, Taylor Stallworth was providing some great uh, depth minutes for this defensive line, and it was great because you know when you said when you had Grover come off the field in obvious past situations, you know, Taylor Stallworth did a very uh, good job midway through the season to finally start getting some extra sacks. You know, that was, I think he actually almost tied uh, his sack total for his career uh, just in this season alone. So, you know, what Taylor Stallworth has been doing, you know, we already knew he was really good at run protection, but, you know, when you're talking about, rushing the passer, you know, other than DeForest Buckner, we were really looking for that guy in the middle to really do that. And Stallworth was that guy a little bit during this year. So I think that's what gives him an honorable mention here is what he was able to accomplish this year. Yeah. And I think the fact that he's also not a starter, you know, as well, um, kind of maybe brings him down, not quite on this list, but I did. You're, you're right. I, you're absolutely right. I did really like what he brought from that defensive interior, that backup one technique. But yeah, I mean, he did show a little bit more juice, you know, and getting to the passer. He, you know, he, we had him on and he kind of talked about that, right? He talked about how, you know, he thought he had, a, he didn't realize he had this much juice in terms of getting to the passer. So great to see him putting that together and hopefully he continues to do that. A guy that a lot of people, honestly, Derek, at the start of the season, before the rosters were, were made, you know, the final 53-man, a lot of people were saying he's not going to make it. But he not only made it, but I thought he performed really well and kind of solidified himself as that nice backup one technique who can also, you know, get to the passer a little bit more. So I definitely think he needs, you know, he bars mentioning right now. Um, so definitely want to talk about him. I think for me, I was going back and forth between two different things. First off, I want to talk about EJ Speed, just give him credit for stepping in with Darius Leonard going out with the COVID thing in that Arizona game. But also, I think the biggest uh, beyond that was also just the kicking situation. You know, specifically that even when Rodrigo Blankenship came back from that injury, he did not get the job back, right? The Colts did not activate him at all. He didn't kick at all the rest of the season. Michael Badgley actually was your kicker 
for the rest of the season. So I think I was a little bit surprised that Badgley kicked as well as he did down the stretch. And the fact that the Colts kind of stuck with him, because we knew they really liked Hot Rod coming out of Georgia, right? So it's a little bit surprised that that happened. But, you know, I don't think I was that surprised because you kind of ride the hot hand, right, when it comes to kicking. But it's kind of weird to see him not kicking for the Colts. After having, I thought, a you know, up and down rookie season, but I thought overall he had a pretty good season for a rookie. So I was a little bit surprised by that. Yeah, I mean, the whole kicking situation was uh, definitely very interesting uh, with how everything went down. But, you know, yeah. thankfully that didn't really hurt us towards the end of the year. But, uh, you know, it was certainly one of those things that we'll need to try to continue to work on as the uh, as next year goes uh into full swing, but yeah, you're right. That that definitely was uh deserved to be an honorable mention there. Yeah, more kicking, right? More mm-hmm. kicking battles, more kicking discussions yeah, in the offseason. Right. I know people who hate kickers just absolutely love these conversations. So. <laughs> and more kicker controversy. We'll see how it goes. But all right, well, we can go on to now our number four for pleasant surprises, guys that we thought did really well. Derek, I'll let you go to this guy because you mentioned him when we were forming this list i'll let you go to him who is the number four here uh i think it is linebacker bobby okereke um it's kind of funny because you know my guy uh that i said was going to be really good you know finally makes this list you know we were talking about over the off season you know we needed to see okereke make that jump you know we needed to see him start to be more involved in this defense and being able to make more of those plays because we knew he had the talent. It just seemed like a lot of times he was out of pocket, just seemed like he was out of place. You know, he had a couple turnovers this year, and this year it was more of a the tackling story for him. I think he actually I could be wrong. I know he's at least second uh, leading the team in tackles. I mean, you know, that's normally a Darius Leonard uh award there but Bobby for the most part I I can't recall a lot of times when he wasn't the leading tackler for the Colts in many games this year so you know being in the right spot more times this season you know he was doing that and I feel like that deserves to some recognition you know we talk about Darius Leonard all the time but you know Bobby's uh tackle production and being more in the right spot, I think is just going to get swept under the rug, but not here. I recognized it and I'm glad that he took that step forward there. Yeah. It started the season kind of rough, right? If you remember that people were kind of like, what is going on with the linebackers right now with Bobby and credit to him, man, he stepped it up. He really started feeling it on that win streak that the Colts had. He really was playing well. And yeah, I mean, he was the Colts leading tackler. He, he was doing all the things that you're kind of like, all right, how big is the you know loss of Anthony Walker in the offseason going to truly be? You saw it really early, but credit to Bobby. He really stepped it up there in that second half of the season specifically, and I thought he looked really, really good. And, and that's great for your Mike linebacker in the future, right? You think he's your future Mike linebacker with how well he played here um, now being the full-time starter there. But I think he's a good choice here for a guy that we're a little bit surprised on because there was question marks last offseason – around Bobby, right? Around, is he the future at Mike Linebacker? And he kind of silenced some of those questions this season with a really solid year overall. So, yeah, I've got to give him credit there. All right, let's move on now to number three. I think, honestly, Derek, you know, number three, we can kind of give to three guys specifically. Um, and that's that all the really the interior backup offensive linemen outside of a couple guys, right? Guys, of course, I'm talking about 
Matt Pryor, Chris Reed, and Danny Pinter all had to fill in at certain points in the season. All played very exceptionally well, given the situation. Yeah, I mean, Danny Pinter having to take over for Ryan Kelly and obviously his absence with his personal matter. Uh, Danny Pinter just thrown right into the fire there. And, you know, it, it almost felt like as if nothing really changed. You know, he did a fantastic job stepping in and also in that uh, big game where you know, the, the two biggest games of the season for the Colts at that moment in time facing, you know, the Cardinals and the Patriots, you know, going in there and just playing his butt off, you know, playing very well. You know, that that was a, a tall order for, you know, the second uh, year guy uh, drafted in the fifth round out of Ball State. I mean, that was, that was a tall order to replace a guy like uh, Kelly's caliber, but he did that. And, you know, Chris Reed, you know, at times – played so dang well that you almost forgot that Quentin Nelson was even out. You know, I mean, yeah. that's, that's very, that's very high praise for a guy like Chris Reed, who, you know, I mean, was a starting caliber left guard in this league, no question about it. But, you know, the fact that we had him this season really did uh, was probably the, one of the best moves that Ballard made all season. We talked about that a lot and, you know, Prior, also a very underrated signing. I mean, we didn't know who yeah. he was. And I mean, I even had to ask RB about him. And he was like, I, I really don't have an opinion on him. And that's what he said. And, you know, prior having to be the right tackle for us for, for almost two months, you know, with the absence of Braden Smith at the early part of the year. And, you know, he played very well. You know, he was actually probably one of the better uh, outside of Quentin Nelson, I actually think he was the best pass blocking lineman that we had uh, for that early part of the year, which, you know, I mean, that's, that's saying something. So, you know, th what these, what these guys did for us, I mean, they were all exceptional signings by Ballard and they all really performed really, really well. And you traded for a you know, seventh round pick for Matt Pryor. I remember I asked RB all about him, right? And he said, Man, he's gonna drive you crazy. And I was like, Well, I'm still waiting, RB, because <laughs> he was doing he was doing fantastic. You're right. Like, you know, all these guys had to kind of go into and replace very, very good players, pro bowl players, right? And I thought they did a really exceptional job. And, you know, credit to Chris Ballard. You know, he's getting a lot of flack right now for everything that's going on. But give credit to him, man. After what happened in 2020, you know, with when you know you think that Pittsburgh game, when you're out your left tackle and your right tackle, and you're basically screwed, Chris Ballard saw that and he said, That's not happening again. And he went out and he addressed it. And he addressed it again, you know, when it didn't work with Tevin and Will Holden. He kept addressing it and he figured it out. So yeah, I certainly think all I want to see all these guys back because, you know, it, that's kind of the the attrition of the NFL, right? You know, there's so many injuries that happen throughout the course of a year. You know, especially with those giant humans, you know, fighting against each other in those trenches, you need, you know, some really good linemen. You need, obviously, you need good five, but also you need a good six, a good seven, a good eight, right? You really need some of those guys. Culturally had that. I thought they all did a really good job, those three guys that we mentioned. So we definitely want to give credit to them where it's deserved. You know, there's so many guys that we could give credit to, but, you know, we wanted to just say all three of these guys for one spot because they all definitely deserved it this year. Are you finally ready to win money and boost your odds? WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. 
the excitement of when Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. Get exclusive rewards right at your fingertips. Get in on the action with your favorite teams and players from the NFL, MLB, NHL, Gold, MMA, WNBA, college football, and more. Right now at WinBet, you can find great promos, odds, and payouts from boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport. WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Offer subject to change. Tough terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where play through WinBet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Uh, number two, Derek, what do we have? Uh, well, I mean, and this is one of the uh, biggest players of the year for the Colts, and that was Jonathan Taylor. I think a lot of people will be like, why is he a surprise? Well, I mean, I knew we, we as Colts fans knew that Jonathan Taylor was going to be really good this year, but I don't think that we quite knew he was going to be this good, like 20 touchdowns and almost 2,000 yards good. Uh, I mean, it, it, a lot of Colts fans thought that, and you know, a, and people like me thought that that was you know, completely crazy at, at the time, but uh, – Taylor, you know, even with the slow start that the way they had it when it came to, you know, how they ran the offense, you know, Jonathan Taylor's still doing really, uh, really well. And, you know, had some Colts history uh, this season. And, you know, he was really the driving train of the offense for the majority of the year. And, you know, I mean, it kind of led to be a little bit of a downfall later in the season. That's not on Taylor, though. That's on that's on the coaching staff to let that happen. But either way, you know, Taylor, I mean, we knew he was going to be good, but I think it's surprising just to see how good he and how dominant he actually was in his reign from the end of November all the way through December. I mean, he he was just phenomenal. Yeah, at one point, the Colts were undefeated when he ran for over 100 yards. I think that snap, that streak snapped against the Raiders. But, yeah, I mean, that kind of tells you all you need to know right there. Jonathan Taylor was the Colts' most valuable player. and. You know, yeah, I mean, he we, we thought he was going to be good, right? But we didn't think he was going to be that good. Nobody thought he was going to be that good. Like, people were legitimately saying, and I think they have a good valid reason, saying he's RB1 next year, right? He's RB1 this year, RB1 next year. With guys like Derrick Henry, with guys like Dalvin Cook and other guys, Christian McCaffrey, people are choosing Jonathan Taylor over him because of a breakout sophomore campaign. So definitely, yeah, I mean, we thought it was going to be good, but he even surprised us to the degree we didn't think he was going to be MVP caliber good. Right? Yeah. We just didn't. You don't foresee that happening, right? right. So, um, especially because he started off kind of slow his rookie year, and we're just kind of like, oh boy. There were people saying this is crazy to think now. There were people who were legitimately saying Trent Richardson two point I remember those tweets. I remember those posts. Yeah, unbelievable. It was bad. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. It was so bad. <laughs> but. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor, man, what can you say about him? He was the best player on the Colts offense by far, and it wasn't even close. Jonathan Taylor, fantastic second year. I'm excited to see what he does in year number three now with the Indianapolis Colts. All right, let's get to number one here for the best pleasant surprises, kind of like the interior offensive line depth. It's a couple guys because you can't just name all these guys because I thought they all stepped up really good. Two guys in particular I want to talk about, Isaiah Rogers first off, and then Rocky Sin, two guys, two completely different trajectories, right? Isaiah Rogers came into the year 
Nobody knew who he was. You know, he had a little bit uh, of juice in the special teams. He obviously was really good in the kick return department. And then Rocky Asin, former high round pick, everybody said after his second year, dude's a bust, move on. But both these guys, in their different situations, Rock came back. He proved himself, I think, to be legitimate, the number one boundary corner of the team this year. And then Isaiah Rogers, talk about coming out of nowhere, man. He came out of nowhere and he was fantastic. He was balling out, man. And even when you were missing Xavier Rhodes, I, I almost kind of wish they would have started him over Xavier Rhodes at certain points. That's how good these guys were playing. So wanted to give a special shout out to both these guys. Great work they put into the offseason, and they looked really so much better in 2021 than they did in 2020. Yeah, and you know we talked about it midway through the season when Rock really started getting good. Like right after that Buffalo game, we started seeing him really put on the numbers. You know, we we were, we talked about it. We saw all the comments. You and I were one of those people that said this is this is the last chance for Rock, right? Where we're going to start to finally see what Rock is capable of this next year. Like we weren't we weren't ready to call him a bust. I mean, it's one of the. I think it's one of the few things you and I got right from this season. Uh, before everything went down, we predicted that you know Rock still has a good shot here to really uh, make it better because you know you really couldn't get a whole lot worse when it came to how Rock played in 2020, especially late. Uh, and so we were thinking, man, if he could just cut down on the stuff that he does. You know he would be he would be in such a better place. And my gosh, I mean, he was statistically couldn't make the argument that he was pro- maybe the best corner the Colts had all season. I mean, oh, yeah. and that's saying something. And, and you know, Kenny Moore, who I mean, after that Texans game, um, or even after that, even against like the Patriots and some of the other teams, I mean, he was widely being like regarded as having the best uh, rating uh, cover rating of any corner in the league. And that's, and yet we're sitting here talking about Rocky Asin being uh, the way that he is. I mean, shout out to him. And you're right. Isaiah Rogers as well. I mean, Isaiah had a few moments where players tried to target him a lot more. Um, You know, he's still a little bit more inexperienced at the position, then a guy like Rock, Rock had himself in a lot better position a lot more times. But again, Rodgers has something that a lot of other players don't, and it's that uh, closing speed. I mean, just the speed of an Isaiah Rodgers is enough to make him warrant uh, any kind of respect on a wide receiver because you know you're just never going to outrun him truly. And, you know, we saw that against the Raiders, that first interception that he had. I mean, he got burnt off the top of the route, but then Carr left that thing short, and Rodgers just made just made it look easy on the comeback. So, you know, it's great because you know that he has that speed, and you know that going forward, it's great now because we were talking about it at the beginning of the season. Do the Colts need to address cornerback? Well, right now, I think that's one of the last things that you need to worry about right now. Obviously, you're still going to address it, but when you're talking about things like quarterback the left tackle the edge rush that kind of stuff you know I think corner right now is like the third or fourth most important thing to me on my mind right now uh especially after what we've seen from those two guys I mean it's great to see you know I mean and these guys are still so young but it was certainly great to see Rock make that push I'm so I'm so glad that he did and you know we we called it I called it too Isaiah Rogers 
could this be the year that we finally see it? All that work in the offseason, we went to training camp. We saw him, you know, make some of those big plays in training camp. I mean, that that play started translating on the football field, and, and I love it. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it. Like, at the beginning of the season, if you would have asked me, what are your biggest, like, concerns about this team? I would put corner on that list undoubtedly, you know, and, and not just a credit to the, all these guys, how well that they played that at a certain point in the season, I didn't care who we faced. I felt confident in the corners that we had. Now, obviously, <laughs> the two-game slide that we had, it was a little bit of a different story. But overall, I felt like specifically these two players, I thought they played really well throughout the course of the 17 games that they played. So, yeah, they're definitely the biggest surprise for me. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, but we have to also move on to the disappointments. Now, Derek, I'll let you start since I just talked about the young corners. Who is your honorable mention for a disappointment here? Um, well, for me, that's going to be Mo Alec Cox. And, you know, we're talking about this whole offseason. Like, is it time for Mo to start stepping up and being the true number one tight end of this group? Because, you know, Jack Doyle nearing the end of his career – and, you know, Kylan Granson was drafted, but he was drafted in the fourth round. He was going to be a project guy for a while. So, you know, Mo, you've been in the system for several years. You know, you, you started showing some flashes in 2020. You know, it's time to take uh, the reins here. And, you know, early in the season, it looked like that was going to be the case. And then, you know, just this last six games, I mean, just never involved in the offensive game plan, uh, you know, makes very few catches. They never used him in the red zone. Now, is that partially his fault or is that partially Carson's fault or is that partially Reich's fault? It's probably a combination of all things. Uh, but there was a bunch of times where Carson put a lot of great throws on Mo Alley Cox and he just dropped them, man. I mean, he's when you when you're a six foot six tight end and you have the height advantage on every corner you have. And you continue to get these open routes down the field. And Wentz puts these beautiful deep balls where only you can get them high and in the air because that's what you do. And you continue to just let them go through your hands. I mean, how I could count, Cody. I think I can count two or three times that Molly Cox dropped a uh, touchdown this year. And that's, yeah, and that's yeah. scary. That's not something that you need in a true tight end. And it's made me start to think, the Colts might need to go get a free agent tight end this year 
because you can't go draft one again because you just right. did that this last year. So, you know, and Jack Doyle potentially on the on the decline here and, you know, about to maybe retire. I think it's about time the Colts start looking at the tight end position and start saying, man, we need to upgrade now because Cox ain't doing it for you and your depth is questionable. Yeah, I mean, right now your only guy under contract is Kylan Granson. So, yeah, I think you definitely need to address it. And we'll get to that, obviously, later in the offseason and stuff like that. But I think you're absolutely right. I, I always think of that Patriots game, man, where he dropped that touchdown in the back of the end zone. It's like, come on, man, what else do you need? You know, like you've got the size, you've got the hand, you got the giant hands, like you got the mitts. How are you dropping these passes? And so, yeah, I'm kind of just I'm past the Moelle Cox experience at this point. Like the the, the experiment that was Moelle Cox had some good moments, but I just don't know. I'm kind of over it. I'm kind of tired of waiting and hoping that he's going to be something. I think we kind of know what he is at this point. So yeah, I think he was a big disappointment with how much we thought maybe having Carson Wentz would really increase his volume this season. Didn't really seem to happen for whatever reason. Um, but my guy for dishonorable mention, I suppose, for disappointments here is Kari Willis. Now, I'm a guy that I love Kari Willis. You guys have heard me before. I love Kari. I love what he does for this team at the strong safety position. Now, he got, he did get injured, but I don't know, man. For whatever reason, Kari had – I felt like – and there was a big pass let up a lot of times, not always, but it, it seemed like Corey Willis was missing a lot of coverages this year. He he kind of took a step back in the coverage department, in my opinion, from what I saw from last year to this year. Now, I know he was injured, so maybe that played a part into it. But even in that Jacksonville game, man, he missed multiple guys there in coverage. So I don't know, man. I, I want to see more from him. I know he can do it. He's shown that he can be a really solid box safety for you. But I, I want to see him take another step up here in terms of coverage because I really didn't like what I saw from him this past season. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not on that board with you. I mentioned it uh, going off. I thought that, you know, Kari Willis, a lot of the struggles with him was just due to his injury. And just like everything else, again, it, it had, you know, everyone in the secondary had its issues. You know, Julian Blackman was not in this uh, for this most of the season. So, you know, you had to – he had to go conform with a new free safety in that uh, area. And, of course, again, like I said, he missed several uh, weeks this season because of injury and and because of COVID. So, you know, I, I – obviously, he, I felt like at times he had a down year. At times he looked really freaking good. But, you know, I, I just was not on the the – uh, track of saying he was uh, a disappointment because when he came back from his injury at first, I thought he did amazing. But uh, yeah, I, I just wasn't on that board with you, but I understand where you're coming from. He just seemed to kind of vanish a little bit this year. Yeah. It seemed like when I'd look up, it would be him, you know, getting beat. And I was just like, come on, man, what are you doing? You know, like you're a veteran now, you know, step it up a little bit, but maybe it was due to the injury. I don't know fully exactly what that is, but yeah. Oh, um, now we can actually move on to our list to the number four guy. And Derek, who would that be? Uh, well, uh, it's going to be uh, Xavier Rhodes here at this one because you know Xavier Rhodes. You brought him back, you know, to continue on that great success he had in 2020, where he was widely regarded as a potential top ten corner, uh, even with the scheme that the Colts had. You know, he was playing at a at a great level. Honestly, was the only real corner that was having any kind of success for the Colts in the secondary in 2020. 
And, you know, you brought him back on a good deal and you were expecting him to do big things. But, you know, he continued to get injured all season long and, and even playing through the injuries at times, which was hurting his performance and was made and was hurting the team at a lot of times. And, you know, eventually got benched by Isaiah Rogers because, you know, Rogers was turning out to be the better option. So, you know, you brought this guy back to be your number one corner. And, you know, outside of the fact that they just, for some reason, didn't want to play Rogers and rock right off the bat uh, at times, you know, that's the only reason Xavier Rhodes was still playing for the majority of this. And, you know, I like I said, I don't know how many weeks he actually missed, but I don't think it's out of the realm of saying, I think he missed half the season at least. And, you know, missed the last game uh, because of injury as well. So, you know, you couldn't depend on him this year. And that's what sucks is, you know, you brought him back to be the glue to this secondary and to help out. And he just wasn't available. And that's a disappointment. Yeah. To, to answer your question, he played in 13 games, but I know he left some of those games with injuries. So yeah, he you know. left a bunch of those games with injury. He even yeah. played in the San Fran game too, even after messing up his ankle in pregame warmups. Yeah. I mean, I'll give credit to him. He, he fought, you know, he, he stepped up as a leader, at least playing through that injury and those injuries that he did suffer, but you definitely could tell his, his play took a hit when he did play through those injuries. So yeah, unfortunately, he's not he's not going to be back as a Colt, and that's totally fine with me. Um, I think the Colts have, a, like we mentioned, a, a nice young trio of corners that they can move forward with here in 2022 and beyond. So, yep, I think he's definitely a guy that we got to mention there when it comes to disappointments based off of how good he was the year before, like we talked about. For number three for me, and man, I am so disappointed in this guy. I was so hyped for this guy. Coming in at left tackle, Eric Fisher was an absolute atrocity at left tackle. I mean, there's no better way to put it. You know, there's no, I don't know how to better describe Eric Fisher's season, and it was an absolute disaster. He was terrible at left tackle. I don't know how he was so terrible. You know, like, you know, we thought, and I thought, and I think a lot of people thought, oh, Eric Fisher, he's got the injury, but he's the best option. He's the most talented guy that the Colts could have. You know, there was even talks when the Colts signed him. They said, man, if he has a good season, we're going to probably re-sign him, and he's going to be our left tackle for the next couple years. He completely bombed, man. He completely tanked. And, I mean, at least now, um, you don't have to worry about him anymore, but every week he was a liability at left tackle. You know, every week he had to be like, oh, boy, who's Eric Fisher going to get manhandled by this week? It was just bad, man. Bad for Eric Fisher, so I'm glad we're not bringing responsible him back. for seven sacks given up this year. That was more yeah. sacks given up than Anthony Costanzo had in three seasons. Costanzo <sighs> in three seasons did not allow as many sacks yeah. as what uh, the his last three seasons, I should mention. Yeah, yeah. and it, as what Eric Fisher did, and that that's saying something. Okay, yeah. Eric Fisher. Yeah. We were we were willing to look past the issues early on because we were saying, oh, okay, well, you know, he's he's coming back from the injury still, and you know, he was run blocking really, really well. That's the one thing he did all season that was really good. He actually did a fantastic job at run blocking, which is fine. But when your quarterback is continuously getting hit all season long from that left side. No wonder Carson's uh, confidence probably started waning a lot towards the end of the season because he just probably wasn't very uh, 
confident in that left side of the offensive line to protect his backside. So, you know, I mean, you can't if you can't get a left tackle that can't consistently pass block. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, you, you can be as good at the run blocking as you want to be. You can be uh, Trent Williams good for all I care. But if you don't, if you can't stop the edge rush, you're you're no good being a left tackle in this league. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was just you know I had such high expectations for him, and the fact that he just completely he was your he was your crush, man. He was like your man crush uh, and free agency, I, man. He was. Yeah, I mean, like, all signs pointed to him. Okay, yeah, he has the injury. Okay, that's kind of concerning. But, like, he was good last year. You know, like, I just don't – I was just so baffled how bad he was, you know. Like, I don't, I don't think anybody saw that coming. You know, we thought he was going to be serviceable. He certainly hours. wasn't ever elite, but he was certainly never bad, you know. Right. I mean, like, he, he was never this bad, so it's kind of confusing. It is very confusing. I'm not, I'm not quite sure what happened there, but – I guess now you have to add that on top of the Colts' other needs that they have this offseason. Left tackle is probably one of the highest ones. You know, that experiment kind of failed. Now you kind of look back, and I know you don't probably shouldn't do this, but now you look back a little bit, you're like, man, Darisol was there, you know? Like, so I don't know. I mean, I like I like Quiddy Pay. I'll say that. But, like, also, did you miss your future left tackle? Right. I don't know, man. You know, hindsight's obviously 2020, but, uh, yeah, that just, that just sucks, especially because Eric Fisher kind of bottomed out for you there. All right, uh, number two, who do we have? Well, outside of Michael Pittman, we had the wide receiver core. And, you know, this kind of tied Molly Cox into it as well. But, you know, I mean, the what was it, two weeks ago, Colts Nation was putting up the graphic. Only receiver that had more than 500 yards receiving this season was Michael Pittman Jr. It's the only one. And yep. so Michael Pittman, he took that second step. He took that step from his rookie year to his sophomore year where he was able to make those contested catches, you know, make those pl- consistent plays. Even he had his issues at times, but I mean, I can't really complain too much given the fact that he had a thousand yard season. He did what he needed to do. But I mean, again, the, the just the inability to get anyone else to get involved. And, you know, like we tried to do Heinz in the slot every now and again too, but for some reason, just Reich never wanted to have Hines involved in that. You know, I was kind of wondering why that never became much more of a, of a uh, solution because, you know, you knew you were lacking speed, you knew you were lacking separation, and you knew that you needed somebody to try to create a spark. You, you've had Hines lined up in the slot and a couple other places on the line before. Why not just continue to do that? Well, that was one thing that, again, still baffles me. You know, you and I were kind of talking about it as a uh, honorable mention as well. That Hines was kind of a disappointment, not really due to the fact of him. It was because of the in the unwillingness to use Hines this year. We thought Hines was going to get uh, the same kind of role, but his role completely vanished in the offense. He was virtually yeah. non-existent this year, which is crazy. And you know, again, Zach Pascal. Look like Zach Pascal at the beginning of the year. Look like Zach Pascal is going to be wide receiver one. The dude had three touchdowns in the first two weeks. I mean, Zach Pascal through the first two weeks was a was the one of the top five best wide receivers in the league for the first two games. He looked like he was about to start. Do, he had looked like he had something special going on with Carson, but Zach just you know continued to have drop problems. 
you know, just never seemed to get open a lot. You know, and Carson also missed him a bunch of times. Uh, Paris Campbell obviously just never, never stayed healthy again this year. You know, that's going to be a question mark going into next season. And, you know, T.Y. Hilton, you brought him back, but, you know, he, and to be that leader, but didn't have, you know, quite the, st- didn't have any good stats. You know, he was only available so often. So you basically had one stud and you had a bunch of, of unprovenness on the rest of the level, which is why I think almost all of us can agree. If you don't agree, then I don't understand where you're coming from. That probably one of the biggest needs for the Colts this season, if not the biggest need is wide receiver at this point, because the Colts absolutely need someone to be able to open this offense up even more. Honestly, it's to the point where I'm like, do you sign a guy in free agency and then go draft a guy? Because you need you're so desperate for wide receivers right now. Like you need to give your quarterback weapons, whether it's Carson next year or and then the years after, or if it's another quarterback. I don't care. You still need to give your quarterback weapons. So yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Pretty much all the wide receivers. I, I liked what Ashton Doolin did. He just didn't get enough snaps, in my opinion. Yeah. But yeah, pretty much everybody was a disappointment in the wide receiver room outside of Pittman, which is really unfortunate because you invested you know, a good amount into that group, you know, with, you mentioned Paris Campbell, you bring back T.Y. Hilton and just nothing really came to be for whatever reason. So I think it's time for the Colts besides Pittman to pretty much blow it up. I'm fine. Honestly, they don't bring back a lot of these guys that were on the team this last year. Maybe you bring back a few guys, but I'm perfectly content, honestly, with just completely overhauling this unit because it's in desperate need, man. It's long overdue in my opinion. So yeah. All right, so that's our number two, right? I think then our number one, now this is unfortunate, and this is going to cause a lot of controversy, I am sure, but we got to talk about Carson Wentz, man. I mean, what the heck happened, man? He was looking so, like, he wasn't, obviously, because Jonathan Taylor was running the show and all that stuff, but Carson was doing the things he needed to do early, and then all of a sudden, the last two games, he just looked like he's never played in the NFL before, <laughs> you know, yeah. missing guys just completely. You know, he had his issues before that, but it was like is it was like 27. It was like 2020 Carson Wentz bad. And I don't know why. I really have no explanation for why he was so bad. You know, yeah. it was just so baffling how he just went from, OK, he's maybe top 10, 10 to 15, that range. All of a sudden, he looks like one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL for two straight weeks. Makes no sense to me at all. Well, I I wouldn't even stop there. I mean, his last five games were freaking atrocious. I mean, outside of the Arizona Cardinals game, I kind of give him credit for that one because, you know, he dealt with all those injuries. You know, outside of that, the last five games, four out of those five games, he looked atrocious. You know, he looked like he didn't know what he was doing. And, you know, I, I, I blame Reich a little bit for that as well because Reich mentioned that towards the end of the season, you know, they became too reliant on the on the run game and they, you know, didn't really game plan the passing offense very well. Well, you know, that's I mean, of course, you know, I mean, that doesn't excuse the severe overthrows that Carson Wentz was uh, throwing throughout the last few weeks of the season. I get that. But, you know, at the same time, like, right, that's your freaking job, man. That's your job to know when it's time to stop with the rushing attack and start to figure out how to game plan a, a pass offense. You know, I mean, what what changed? What changed all of a sudden? 
And, you know, it's it's sad because you're right. Carson Wentz, through the first 12 weeks of the season, looked like the franchise guy. Looked like, okay, this guy's not elite, but he's certainly far from a problem, at least through the first 12 weeks. And you thought, oh, okay, that's cool. And then you're right. What's saddening about it is the fact that, yeah, a franchise quarterback doesn't collapse like that. You know, you don't see a collapse like what we've seen over the last month with Carson Wentz. You just don't see that. And that's what's saddening is the fact that it went from a good level where most of Colts Nation felt confident going forward that this guy could keep taking another step. And now all of a sudden you're saying, well, I mean, is he even the future now? That's how bad it is. It's not even bad to the point where – Oh man, well, you know, he just had a couple rough patches, a couple rough games, but you know, it's okay. We'll we'll, we'll move on. No, it, it, it's getting to the point. You have Jeff Saturday going on the national media, calling you out, saying the Colts need to move on from you. It's gotten to that level of bad. So yep. you know, I mean, Carson again has nobody to blame but himself for how bad this. Uh, how bad it's been. I mean, obviously Reich takes uh, ownership of the game plan and I'm sure, and it was nowhere near perfect by any stretch, but you know, Carson, man, your mechanics need to get better. You need to throw the football better. You need to pick up blitzes better. You need to command the offense better. You know, everything needs to be better with Carson. And you know, it's, I don't know what's going to happen. And it's sad that we have to have this argument now because you know, you and I have been when supporters from the beginning. We thought that we we thought this was not going to have to be a conversation we needed to have, and now it just it infuriates me that I have to even mention this anymore. Honestly, it and you know, yeah, I went to bat for Carson. I'll say that. You know, I truly believe this was going to work. I believed in Frank Reich. I believed in this system. I believed what was going to happen with Carson. I believed that last year was just a fluke, but like. I get what Eagles fans were struggling with last year. You know, I get why they wanted Carson gone. Not all of them, but some of them. I get it, man. Now I understand because uh, it's so frustrating. You know, it's just like, is this guy just not mentally tough in the tough situations? You know what I mean? Like, how does that happen where your team has a 98% chance to make the playoffs and then you go and you just play absolute garbage? Like, you were not playing great before that, but you don't bounce back. You know what I mean? Like, you say what you want about Phillip Rivers, but that team was mentally tough last year, yeah. you know? And how much does that fall on the quarterback and kind of making that culture not a tough one as, as it was last year? You know, like, has that actually impacted this team in that way? I don't know, man. I don't know what the answer is there. Uh, obviously, you know, I'm not paid to figure those things out. Frank Reich is paid to fit in Chris Bauer, all those guys. They're paid to figure that out. But yeah, you're right. You know, I've supported Carson Wentz. I've I've said that I believe that he was a future at one point earlier in the season. But if he's just not going to bounce back, if he's just going to continue to collapse in the key moments, in the critical moments where your best players have to step up, and if it's not him, let's move on. You know, let's move on. Let's cut our losses. Let's move on. Yep. Like, I, I'm just kind of to that point with Carson where I'm like, man, come on. You know, step it up. You know, if you're really a franchise quarterback, you can't keep – we can't keep making excuses for you, you know? And I'm done making excuses for Carson, you know? People will make excuses for Carson. They'll say, oh, it was a lack of wide receivers. It was a lack of offensive line. It was like this and that. But at the end of the day, they're not making Carson miss those those throws, right? Yeah. They're not making Carson missing those guys wide open. 
Yeah. They're not making him, you know, do these things, you know, throw the ball left-handed, throw turn stupid turnovers at certain points. They're not making him do that. Right. Carson's doing that. And he needs to take credit for it. He needs to be a cow held accountable. And I am so glad, man, that, that Jim Irsay stepped in and he had a long meeting with Reich and Ballard because it needed to be said, man, that is unacceptable. That is not – you were a professional football player. You are the franchise quarterback. The Colts believe that you were the franchise quarterback. If you're not going to be the franchise quarterback, then frankly get out of the, get out of Indianapolis. Like, I'm sorry. I know that was a little extreme, but like <laughs> – Seriously, the emotions are still high. I mean, you know, you're right. It's going to be like, it's going to be rough. We need to figure it out. I mean, some, it, it, the coaching staff and the organization, the scouts, they all need to start having this conversation. They need to have the conversation is can Reich turn this guy around? Cause you know, for the first three, for the first two, three months of the season, it looked like it did. And then it's, it just became, no, like it, it, he did it. And, you know, again, early on in the season, I mentioned it. Jonathan Taylor was not used much at all in the beginning part of the season. It was mainly Carson Wentz. And, you know, that was a stupid game plan uh, on the on the Colts standpoint from right standpoint when we're talking about uh, the Titans game. Remember that one? Remember that one yeah. where Carson Wentz on two bum ankles had to throw the ball 35 plus times? When Jonathan Taylor touched the ball 10 times, 10 times, like, you know, I, I, I just love that people forget that to mention that, like, are we going to blame Carson for that one when, you know, right. they should have clearly went the other direction on that, but yet you put your quarterback on an Island back there without any way to defend himself or run away. And yet you did that like that, that was the epitome of a ter- of terrible coaching. So, yeah. you know, it's yep. it, there's a lot of obviously disappointments there. Emotions are still very high. Um, you know, I mean, just this, the tricky part is, is that, you know, all the banter at this point, if you're any of these guys that we mentioned, and heck, if, if, if any of them are even still on the roster when this next year comes around, including Carson, and this goes for the coaches too, there's no, there's no grace period anymore. There's not no like Colts nation is fed up as we should be. And there's no, there's no talking anymore. Talk. The talking part is done. The talking part. That's it. That's out the window. It's time to see results. It's time to see results from all these guys. And you know, it starts with Carson. It starts with Reich. And you know, this team needs to start showing instead of talking that they are amongst the best and that they deserve it because, you know, you've got your butts handed to you and things need to start changing now because we're, 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 there's no trust there with what you tell us or versus what you show us. Yep, and like, like you said, at the end of the day, the proof is in the pudding. You have one playoff win. You have zero division titles. You have zero wins in this era in the first week. Like something has to change, man. Jim Mercer said it. Something has to change here. And I don't know what it is, man. There's a lot of question marks, a lot of moving pieces into what has to change. But this team needs to figure it out, man. They need to figure it out. Starts with the obviously the front office, the coaching staff, the quarterback, all those things. I don't care, just get it done. You know, that's what you're paid to do. You're paid millions to figure this out, figure it out. Yep. Your team is talented. We saw your team is talented. You can beat top seeds 
in the NFL, but you can't consistently win when it matters. Yeah. And that, that that's just infuriating, you know, because yeah. we know this team is talented. 100%. All right. Well, I think that one is it for all of our uh, disappointments and surprises for the 2021 season. Uh, let us know in the comments, guys, if there's anyone that we missed or anyone that we didn't actually talk about that you would put in this list. Um, I mean, we thought we cleared it up pretty quickly there, but uh, thank you guys again so much for the continued support. More videos coming soon. You know it. And thank you guys again so much. And as always, go Colts. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.